Blog Talk Radio. October 21st, 2013, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're checking in with your smoking nephew, Blazing Rye on the ones and twos. And in just a bit, we'll welcome our lovely co-host, the one and only Broadway medic, Tamika Kidd. Be sure to check out our show's Wednesday nights as well now. We have a new show added to the roster. It's called Blazing Rye Backstage. And for, you know, irreverent uh, comedy, uh, the show might be your bag. So uh, tune in and enjoy want to say a special happy birthday shout-out to Nicole, one of our most loyal listeners, uh, maybe the most loyal listener we've, we've had in a while. So happy birthday, Nicole. I see you listening right now. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, I am right now, as we speak, opening the chat room up. So if you have anything to uh, say to us, just log in to your Blog Talk Radio, Facebook, or Twitter accounts and scroll down to the bottom of the page where you can see our live chat room. Um, now, while I find Tamika, why don't we uh, break you off with a little uh, a little Blazing Ride classic. This is our friend Erica Lustig, who just won the next Broadway star competition, and she is guaranteed to be a star pretty soon. Here we go. Here is my good friend singing about our show, Erica Lustig. Boom. Blazing, listen to Blazing Ride when I feel lonely. Oh, blazing, blazing right, how I love you. I knew I loved you when I first heard your cackle. And when I'm done with Facebook, your show gives something to do Happy two-year anniversary. What an accomplishment. 
Rock on, dude. Love you, man. Congratulations. Yeah, that was Erica Lustig from our two-year anniversary. It's actually been three years now, so I think she's on some fragonacle BS talking about two years. Uh, but uh, I kept that song on the switchboard in case a situation like this ever arose uh, and I was left abandoned by my co-host. Uh, so we're still waiting, as I said, for Tamika, the Broadway medic kid. But in the meantime, I'm going to play uh, a song for you by a guest we had on recently, Blue Rum 13. and play a song called Still Living. We'll be right back, hopefully, with Tamika. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, yeah.
no commitment to five minutes of so new music given. Taking life into a place where time and space is in the distance. Right. We done flipped it on them. Keep it inverted, man. Right here, right now. Alright, that was Blue Run 13. Check them out at bluerun13.com. Alright, yo, I'm getting sick of these co-hostesses abandoning me. So we're going to try and call out right now. Uh, how is she going to call herself? All right, maybe there's some emergency, so I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. So let's just type in her number here. We'll try to dial out from the switchboard and see what happens. It just says dialing, dialing, dialing. There we go. Seem like there's no voicemail either. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic radio, isn't it? Uh, don't worry, we'll make it up for you on, on on Wednesday though. Oh, now it's ringing again. I am so confused. Now it's dropped again. All right, maybe I missed that. Let, let's try this one more again, and we'll see if it works this time. If not, then uh, I'm moving on with the show. Book it. All right. Let's try this again. If, if John Weeks were here, I'd have him do some dialing music, and it would go something like... All right, it's ringing. Part of the show will be edited out later, maybe. All right. Um, moving on. Tamika, I hope you are well and I hope you are safe. So let me. T- I, you know, I've been searching for our co-host for so long. I haven't even told you what's going to happen on the show tonight when the real show starts. Uh, we have a great lineup for you tonight. We have a Broadway actor, writer, producer Sean Taylor Corbett. You know him as Sunny in In the Heights, one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm going to tell him that Usnavi in In the Heights is my dream role, but uh, that I'm just not Latino enough to play him. Um, but I remember in high school they almost cast me as Jose in Fame, so maybe there's, there's a shot. Maybe I have a shot. Maybe there's some hope for me yet. Uh, anyway, he has written a wonderful new contemporary Native American musical called Distant Thunder, so we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about In the Heights. We'll talk about uh, all sorts of things. And then he also... Uh, is on track to uh, for a show to be produced on Broadway. After that, uh, we have Sparky Dog from Sparky Dog and Friends. I understand that Sparky Dog has a band and he has a uh, comic book. So in the meantime, I'm going to break you off with a uh, song 
from Distant Thunder, and Sean Taylor Corbett will be on in just a bit to talk about it. This is called Strong Enough, and we'll find out what it's about in a little bit. Here we go. Shut up. The sacred pipe stays on the red. And so will you if we don't sell this shit. What, are you afraid of the evil spirits? Man, I cannot believe you. You're such a baby. Smudge and me are going to California, and you're going with us. Late night, here with my friends under the big sky. Pass me that joint, I want to feel high. Numb to whoever wants to stand in our way. You know this pipe will get us to Cali if it sells right. We'll have enough money to live right. Start a new life with new horizons in our sight. This is the time to show we don't need handouts. Create our own identities far from just ease. Some kids who never grew up but were stuck and could be strong enough. I'm bold enough to leave this place behind me. Going far enough from this old rest So no one else can find me Once we go, we won't need nobody's help We'll watch out for ourselves We can spend our days trapped in these ancient ways We're strong enough Native American musical called Distant Thunder, 
which is on the road to Broadway. Please welcome to the program Sean Taylor Corbett. Sean, how are you? Great. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I've spent uh, the, the first part of the show searching for my co-host, so I hope she's alive and it's just you and me for now. Um, oh, that's all right. But, okay. Uh, so uh, we just played a song from your musical Distant Thunder. Now, uh, I want a bit of backstory here. You premiered it at Native Voices in the Writers' Retreat of 2012 at UCLA. How was it? How was your musical received uh, there in California? Oh, you know what? It was received so well because it we wanted to have it we wanted to start the project off in the community where the you know that the show takes place and then branch it out from there because we really want to have um native american support for the musical um mm-hmm. because it represents native americans and then branch out from there and so a lot of the audience um they were native americans and we wanted to we wanted to make sure that they thought it was, you know, an honest representation, and, and, and we didn't know how they would perceive pop music mixed with Native music, and it was so well-received, um, overwhelmingly, that everyone was just asking for a production. So we 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 took that as a great rite of passage and the green light, and then we, we went pitching it to, you know, the New York audience and got uh, some New York producers mainstream producers involved because the story really is for all communities and all cultures, not just one culture. So, um, Mm -hmm. and it could take, it happens to take place on a reservation, but the, the story and the music are contemporary and can take place anywhere. So I like having, I like being able to open it up to everybody so we can, we can share it with the world. And you said it went to New York. Then it was produced by the uh, Amas musical. How do you yeah Amas? It? Yeah, it's produced by Amas Musical Theater. Um, mm-hmm. Donna Trinkoff uh, runs that, and they produced uh, basically a workshop for us of two weeks or a week and a half, and we got to really develop the music a little bit more there, and ha- so we can have a full score. Um, Whereas at Native Voices, we were able to work heavily on the book. So mm-hmm. we were able to get some major producers like Jeffrey Seller to come, who produced Rent and uh, In the Heights, which I was a part of the original cast, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he came mm-hmm. and checked it out and really loved it. And uh, we're actually awaiting an NEA grant that we're really hopeful we're going to get so we can produce a – Amos can help us produce a full – like month-long workshop where we can develop some of the uh, dance with native regalia and and um, live musicians, and it's going to be incredible. When do you anticipate that workshop being, and how long do you think it'll take for it to become a a full Broadway production? Well, you know, we um, we're expecting to hear from the NEA. Um, probably within the next month or two. And then after that, mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the beginning of next year, we'd love to do a workshop. There's actually a few feeders regionally that we're crossing our fingers. Uh, they really love the material and the project. Um, and I think they're con- they're really considering us, considering us for a regional production. And, I, you know, it's really great to have an out-of-town production first before you go, go to Broadway so you can work out everything. Mm-hmm. Because when you sure. go to Broadway, you know, you get one shot. 
and um, it has to be really fine-tuned and not rushed. So I, I have a feeling it'll it'll be another two years, um, and that's not a lot of time when it comes to Broadway musicals. It's been already mm-hmm. probably four years we've been working on this. Um, in the Heights on Broadway took about seven years to get to Broadway, so, mm-hmm. you know, we can do it. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're on the right track. Uh, tell me a little bit about the story. What is Distant Thunder about? Well, Distant Thunder basically came came about because I, I'm Blackfeet, um, Native American, and I didn't, I kind of, I felt very removed from my culture, not growing up on the reservation um, in Browning, Montana, and so the story is actually about a young a young guy who gets taken from his reservation at the age of around eight, and he comes back 20 years later, um, you know, completely different person, removed from his culture to reconcile his relationship with his father and also um, get involved in a land issue that the tribe is having, uh, is threatened by, which will ultimately threaten their language and their culture. So he gets kind of wrapped up in that and, you know, what what is he going to decide and how is he going to help the tribe? So it's very contemporary um, about Native Americans today and uh, what they're struggling with, what they're overcoming, and what um, what our culture has and can offer the world. The uh, Native Sun News said, preserving the Blackfeet language is the driving force of the play, which shows that when an indigenous language dies, the culture dies. Talk a bit about that quote. Do you agree that that is the driving force behind your show? Yeah, that is very much um, a centerpiece. We, uh, when I was when I visited um, Browning, where the reservation is, one of the biggest concerns that my uh, my uncle um, has is the the disappearance of the language, which many tribes face today. And mm-hmm. if that goes. It's kind of a connection and a portal to the past and to uh, ceremonies, to traditional songs. And you lose a part of your identity if you lose a language. So a big um, thing that the center character goes through as he comes home is realizing that if if he doesn't support the tribe with this land issue they're having, the language school that's on this particular piece of land will be lost and therefore the kids will lose their language. Um, mm-hmm. So it is very much, it's it's probably the, yes, the most important aspect of the piece and why why we're hoping that it can reach a international scale so that you know this this issue can have recognition and a lot of the we want um, a good chunk of the proceeds or the you know money coming in for the show to go towards language immersion schools in particular. Um, the the schools in Browning, Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big part of the play is is what it's really like to be Native American in modern day America. Uh, how would you characterize your own personal experience as uh, different, say, from I don't know, being white in America? It's a it's a good question because you know I I am also mixed and I have so many different um, pieces to my background, but I've, mm-hmm. since I was 16, I really started, 
I had been identifying with um, the Native American Blackfeet part the most. Um, but I, I think the challenge is really trying to bring to the forefront what, what has been lost in a lot of ways, which is the language and the culture and a sense of getting our young men and women on the right track so that we can continue to succeed not only on reservations but off of reservations. Um, I think there's just a lack of understanding. Uh, I don't mean to make this a huge issue of the radio show, but one of the causes that I really got behind lately is changing the the Washington Redskins name. And mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, that one team. It's the idea that Native Americans are no longer modern, but, you know, figureheads from the past, and we can use them as um, a symbol and not worry about how they feel or, or if something... It's it's like being heard. Like, look, we're we're asking you, please don't use that. It's not respectful. Even though you're telling us we mm-hmm. should feel respected by using a racial slur. And having right. people think that's okay is just a mindset that represents where we are in, in um relating to Native Americans, which is why I think we're 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 behind in a lot of ways in relation to other cultures who have been able to have be empowered and come together as a as a huge unit and say we need change and we're succeeding in getting that change. And I think in the arts, Native Americans haven't had that huge national exposure yet in something like not just this musical, but plays from Native voices, um, you know, things. I'm, I'm actually in a play right now at LATC. It's a huge Native American mm-hmm. piece. So, you know, through the arts, we can we can affect a lot more change in, in a way than through politics. If if we get the average person behind the idea, but, is um, one of your major goals by bringing this to mainstream Broadway audiences to change this perception that you're you're talking about? Yeah, it is. You know, and also just make people really interested in it because, man, I love. Broadway musicals, I love pop music, and here's this great music that is um, showcasing a culture I don't know much about. Um, I want to go check it out. I want to go see it. And I think a a lot of fear just comes from the unknown and just not being exposed. So instead of seeing Native Americans in just, you know, headdresses and the old form of, of how we perceive them, um, we we can see them in modern like modern day people just like anyone else. Well, let's talk a little bit about the music, and then I'll I'll play some more music from your show. Sure. Uh, tell me the involvement. Uh, tell me about the involvement of Grammy winner Joseph Firecrow and how he's been an integral part of your your process. It appears he initially came into this project by responding to a casting call. Yeah, and he's a amazing musician, um, who I knew. I had heard about years ago. I never knew I'd be able to work with him. After the L.A. run, we went to New York, like I said. We, I just actually, I reached out to him. I forgot how I got his email, not thinking that he'd be able to have time or respond because he's so, you know, sought after. And he really, he was so excited and giving of his time. He didn't 
care where he had to go or what to, what he had to do. He wanted to be a part of it, uh, which was an honor for us. And he basically invited us to his home, and he and his lovely wife, you know, showed us his whole studio. He has like hundreds of flutes. He makes flutes, um, and he he came up with a way to integrate his style of music into our kind of pop music and we we kind of worked together in that way to create a fusion of sound um and that that happened in new york so it enhanced the music musical so much not only did he do that but he actually played one of the characters which really grounded the musical in truth it wasn't just you know a broadway actor trying to play in native american it was he was you know a real incredible person who portrayed this character better than any actor could have. Um, well, and had he acted before? I don't think so, no. Wow. <laughs> but it didn't and matter because he, he played a character that gave a lot of wisdom, and he, he's like a father figure in the show. So he, he just did – he played himself, and it was perfect. This weaving you're talking about, uh, about uh, the uh, Native American – percussion and flute into what yeah. you have, essentially a pop rock score. Did that come seamlessly or was it a difficult balance? No, I think it's a journey because my my writing partner and I, Chris Wiseman, um, and I co-wrote the music and lyrics and we also brought on some um, Broadway veterans to help us with a few songs. Um, uh, Michael Moritz and Robert Lindsay Massif. And basically... My my expertise comes more in the pop world, um, so we had to explore different sounds together, um, research the Native American music side, and also it's one of the reasons why we wanted to bring on people like Joseph Firecrow um, and uh, a, another incredible friend who helped us in L.A. so that we can have an authentic sound that's not just our idea, um, but is actually some real powwow singing, some real powwow music, uh, ceremony songs that are permitted to be heard by, you know, general public. And then we have our own kind of, we do have our own little take on what those two sounds would be like meshed together. That is our own creation, but we also want to have a real, we have two real powwows on the stage in the show. So it's going to be like you're out of powwow and it's not, it's not made up. It's real, a real powwow dance and song. But wow. I do think that's really difficult because you're trying to strike a balance of being authentic, but then also having a sound that will drive the musical and keep audiences coming back for more. That's very commercial. So mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to, to to balance those two worlds. But we're 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 gonna do it, and we have we have time, and we just need to get the some more funding and the opportunities. If you could just tell us a little bit about the song we heard earlier, Strong Enough, and uh, yeah. and then if you want to follow that up with, uh, just talk a little bit about Hold On and I'll play that. All right, sure, yeah. Strong Enough is basically a point in the show where some of the young kids um, on the reservation don't really see a future for themselves and they really believe that they have to leave their culture, leave their ways, leave the reservation. And basically it's like 
they're empowering themselves to be strong enough to do things on their own and not wait to be told by others that they can do it. They're a little misguided um, in thinking they're going to be able to, you know, leave without parental help. However, it's bold and it's uh, very brave, and they just don't really find the opportunities on the reservation that they need. So they're they're choosing this drastic measure of just leaving and striking out on their own. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but it's really it's going to be really empowering for youth to hear that song. I think. Yeah. Um, at the end of the show, they do realize that they're strong enough being attached to their culture and staying on the reservation um, if they choose to and finding um, finding a way to build their lives at home because of what happens at the end, which I won't give away. Um, but then, okay, so hold okay. on. Hold mm-hmm. on is, happens when the main character comes home and he's very disconnected from his culture and a character named Dorothy... Dark Eyes gets up and she sings this song she wrote in the hopes that it will remind him of the memories from their childhood and why why he used to love it here so much. She's trying to get him on her side to save the language school. And so this is a way to this is a way to kind of spark those memories for him and and get him um attached back to the tribe. All right. Uh, Well, here it is uh, from Distance Under Hold On, and we'll be right back with Sean Taylor Corporal.
show yes well you know right now um i actually have a, a a twitter account for the musical but i might give if it's all right because i i tweet about it a lot i'll give the my my twitter um and also sure. uh we'll be creating a website for it soon but actually on facebook before i do that there's a facebook page if you guys can go called distant thunder the musical um on facebook so if you just go there and, and type in Distant Thunder, the musical, you'll find uh, the page. And if you guys can like it, I put all the information about that and how you can get in touch with with me. Um, and also, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, and the letter C. Um, that's my my uh, Twitter account. So I, I post stuff about the show there. And you can always write messages there to me about the musical. All right, sounds good. Well, be on the lookout, Distant Thunder. Now, you mentioned In the Heights a few times earlier. You were in the original Broadway cast, as you said. Uh, tell me about that time in your life. That must have been amazing. Oh, man, yeah, that changed my life. You know, that that show was more than just entertainment, and it, it was such a huge inspiration for Distant Thunder because it was a show about family, about culture, about home, Um and it was a new sound that had never been heard on Broadway before uh, from the streets, contemporary, you know, hip-hop, salsa. And I, I, you know, I just, I love the Latino culture too. So I, I became an honorary Latino for those three years <laughs> I did it. Um, uh-huh. and it was wonderful. You know, I met my wife in the show. And, oh, wow. uh, 
I learned about writing from Lynn Manuel Miranda, who's the the writer of the the music and lyrics. Mm-hmm. So it it's uh and to be you know to be on Broadway, I understudied him, so I got to go on as the lead, and also eventually play a principal role in the show, and it gave me so much confidence, and and just saw that it can happen, you know, for young artists out there who are trying to make it and trying to have their ideas shown on a large scale. It it's not impossible, and that experience gave me that confidence. And what was it like to work with? Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, he's such a great, uh, he's an incredible artist, but he's also, he's so laid back. It's like, he's so cool and always, always happy, having a good time. He's he's always really calm and collected under pressure. Um, to watch him be the lead of a musical and write, you know, and, and do guest stars on TV, it just, mm-hmm. he's a great role model for me. Um, and, I learned, I just learned how to how to really be in the moment by watching him perform. And I, when I got to understudy, I basically built a lot of my performance off of what he did. So mm-hmm. I was blessed, and now he's a huge influence, you know, in the world and and as an artist. So it's it's great to to have had that with him. And then you mentioned you uh, closed in in the heights in a principal role, uh, the the role of Sonny. What was it like to fill the small but incomparable shoes of Robin de Jesus who originated that character. Yeah. Well that was that was uh you know, just as incredible. Um a little scary for me because everyone mm-hmm. everyone knew Robin's performance so well and, and what he brought to it and but luckily he was we were really close and I understudied I understudied him as well. So you know, I, he took me aside and, and gave me a lot of great tips and help and I think it was just getting the permission to be myself in that role and um, make it my own. So eventually I did that, and people people responded to what I was bringing to it. And uh, closing the show out in that role was probably one of the most fulfilling and, and exhilarating performances I'll ever have in my life because 1,300 people were just celebrating the whole time, singing the lyrics, and knowing that it was the last time it will be on Broadway in that production. They'll probably do a revival one day, but it was uh, yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, as I've mentioned to you before, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, wow. Uh, That's so cool. I, uh, in my, my dream role, I don't think I'm very castable as the role, but you played as Navi, as my dream role is Usnavi, and if you will, I'd like to uh, just give you a few bars, and you tell me whether or not I could play Usnavi. All right, let's do it, man. All right, here we go. I am Usnavi, and you probably never heard my name. Report to my fame, a greatly exaggerated, exacerbated by the Zach that my syntax was highly complicated because I immigrated from the single greatest little place in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic. I love it. Jesus, I'm jealous of it. And beyond that, ever since my folks passed on, I haven't gone back. God damn, I got to get on that. Yes, what, what, that what was awesome, man. Dude, I think you need to do this in the next regional production they have. I'm serious. Oh my god, it's my dream role. It's uh it was You should definitely be... you should definitely try to audition, man, because you could do it. All right. You got well, that you got that people... you know, inflection in your voice and and that obviously that skill with the rap. That's great, man. 
<laughs> Thanks, man. That means a lot coming from you. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, by the way, we had uh, Alex Slackamore on the show as well, and that's, I imagine you know him as well, obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah. When did you have him on the show? <laughs> uh, it was about two years ago now, but he was great. Man, he's uh, yeah. He basically taught me. He's the one that taught me the whole show. Like he was our music director, and um, no one's better than that guy. What he does. <laughs> They've become quite a team, the, the, the him and Lynn Manuel and, and Tom Kidd are just kind of this Broadway dream team now. Yeah, they sure are, and Andy Blankenbuehler in there too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, uh, they, you know, once you work with people and you, you get that that um, synergy and, you know, that disconnection, you don't want to change because they all know each other's, you know, strengths and they all hang out together, so it's, they can create something organic and real, not just, uh, you know, not just, it's not based on ego with those guys, basically. It's it's all truth and honesty and and uh, giving. So, yeah, they kind of hit it, and I think that's why audiences respond to all of their shows. And I hope to, I hope I can work with those guys again. I mean, that would be my dream. Well, I hope you do as well, and uh, make sure you keep us up to date with what's going on with Distant Thunder. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, And uh, next, the next step in the process, I hope you come back on and talk about that. I would love that, and I'll, I'll definitely be in touch. And Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right, Sean, yes, keep in touch. Take care, sir. All right, you too, sir. Talk to you soon. All right, have a good night. All right, that was Sean Taylor Corbett uh, from the upcoming musical Distance Thunder and uh, In the Heights. Now, uh, the shot ace of my batter and watch, Tamika Kidd, are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> there you are. All right, what's, what's, what happened? Um, I would rather not say at this point, but I'm <laughs> glad I was able to listen to that wonderful interview. And I, so for me, being a theater person as well, I loved In the Heights, and I was at the closing on Broadway. I was one of those people that actually held up my cell phone so it could light up the place during blackout. So, you know, that that was wonderful to be able to be a part of that. What a great show, huh? Yeah, man. I mean, it was like a party in the... You can't... It, there, There's no almost no vocabulary for those, for that particular performance of a show because there wasn't anything like that on Broadway, so it was beautiful. Even the closing was beautiful. The opening was beautiful, but the closing and just being able to take people to a show, they're like, oh, I don't want to see a Broadway musical. Like, yeah, we're trying to see this Broadway musical. And yeah. Were, were you there? I, mean, I know you were in the area the closing night because you tried to help me in case you get tickets, but did you right, wind up going to the show that point. night? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I was there when... During the song Blackout, when I go, oh, you okay, plus, oh, uh, blackout, blackout, oh, no. Uh, excuse my singing, anyone <laughs> listening. Um, all of a sudden, I swear it was spontaneous. I didn't know that this was going to happen, but I was ready for it. We literally lit up the theater when they did the full blackout for that song. Everyone had their cell phones up, and we lit up the theater. It was beautiful. That's Absolutely amazing. beautiful. My uh, friend Jessica, a.k.a. DJ, and I went to the 
uh, pseudo in the Heights reunion uh, up in Washington Heights that I forget what theater, beautiful theater used to be a church up there. Uh, and right. we went to when they, you know, they did a sing through of the show and it was amazing. However, prior to the show, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda got on the, uh, the horn and said like, if seats don't fill up around you, we're going to make this general admission. And, let me tell you, Tamika, I learned that night that that is the worst thing you could say to a crowd of New York theater goers because all hell broke loose and people were, like, rushing up to get closer seats. And what, what happened, of course what happened, is that the people who were waiting outside at Will Call, they finally got inside and they wanted to sit in their $85 seats. But these people who paid for $65 seats are now sitting in them because they weren't there before because the Will Call was, paid, like, around the block. And I remember Lin-Manuel was tweeting at people like, we won't start until you come. Uh, and so that was nice of him, except that he kind of screwed them up in the end because then everyone's arguing in the theater for like, you know, 20 minutes before the show starts. It was a disaster. Right. Yeah, I heard about that. I was already, I, well, <laughs> I already had my seat and my ticket. But again, sitting all the way up at the top, what is it, the, the Rogers Theater or what have you out here? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that that see, sitting up there was an event, and I, again, I apologize for not being able to be on with uh, the first uh, guest who was Sean, who was in in the night, who was on stage. But the thing is, sitting that high up, nobody was trying to take our seats, so it was a party up there right. on the top, which was awesome. Which I mean, again, that show brought so many people together. It's such a beautiful show and such a brilliant show to even think to do that. It, it was um, it was cool, you know. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'm going to see a show. So, yeah. So. A, an original cast member from In the Heights told me that I could play Usnavi tonight. My, my life is complete now. I heard that, and you sounded good. I was like, okay. Ah, thank you. Thank you very I much. I'll be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have to warn you, Tamika, I don't know how much you've listened to our second guest tonight, but uh, it is a comic book character. So we're yeah. interviewing somebody who lives within the comic book realm, I believe. Yes. I, I actually <laughs> did listen to some of that music earlier today, so I, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, well, let's go. Uh, our next guest has a band and a comic book you can check out at sparkydog.com. You can catch his band, Sparky Dog and Friends, performing at the Shamalama Club on the Shaggle Planet on March 14th, 2788. Please welcome from the band Sparky Dog and Friends, Sparky Dog. Sparky Dog, how are you? They're doing well, man. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming to the year 2013 uh, for us on Blaze and Rye Radio tonight. You described uh, your band as a wonky pop rock and roll group currently traveling across space and time in your heavily modified space bus. First off, what do you mean by wonky rock and roll? Yeah, it's sort of, um, it's kind of like that rock thing, but it's a little bit like if you throw it in a blender and put a bunch of freaky stuff in there, it outcomes, it's a little wonky, like a little wobbly. A little bit bit off-center. A little bit (laughs) off-center. A little bit freaky. Uh, Just a a little bit freaky. And secondly, what is a heavy modif- heavily modified space bus? Yeah, so um, if you check out our comic, we should we should get you one. But it, we kind of have this 
you know, one of those old school bus kind of things, except mm-hmm. it was like, uh, you know, our one of the other guys in the band went to Caltech for physics, and it's like all tweaked out, uh, you know, so it could withstand, you know, traveling across space and time and stuff like that, plus like getting on the freeways in California and Florida and whatnot. It's all, it's all rugged. Okay. I like a really super duper <laughs> RV, but oh, you saw the movie Gravity, like we would do a lot better than that thing did. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, Tamika, I hear you. Uh, you, I hear you having questions already. This, usually it's not so early, but I hear you chomping at the bit to ask Sparky Dog something. Well, Sparky Dog, since you're familiar yeah. with Caltech, I mean, why would you even mess around trying to warn people at this point? I mean, I know you're a superhero, but wouldn't you rather play the full-on hero at this point if something were to take place and you got Caltech involved? Oh, we're totally not superheroes. We're like more like super slackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Okay. okay. So I guess that answers it. And right now, Sparky Dog, you and your band are trying to escape a very problematic gravitational field known as the G-Beast. Who or what is the G-Beast? Yeah, we're trying to figure that out, like, be like the government, you know, kind of like the shutdown that, that might have been part of it. Um, but, you know, the gravity is just the, kind of that stuff that brings you down, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The kind of stuff or that brings you down. Or it could be just like the nasty thing hiding in the middle of space that just kind of, you know, wrecks your space bus. You're just kind of heading to your next gig, and it just sort of messes up your day. Gotcha. And I read your bio so that you may have accidentally released Shaggle into the Earth's ecosystem, and you apologize for that. Now, I don't know about you, Tamika, but I like Shaggle. You know, then she called me on the counter. Was it, why would you ever apologize for releasing Shaggle to Earth? So here's the deal with the Shaggles. They're um, like kind of a while back while we were on some really, you know, kind of cruddy gig. You know, like on your tour, on your van, you know, if you're touring the country or something, you get like beer and pizza and all this, all this nasty stuff on the floor. So like when mm-hmm. we kind of sweep that all out on this, you know, kind of abandoned planet a long time ago, it just, we just sort of threw it out. And then we came back to that planet many years later and these things grew and they were the shaggles. And then we accidentally took them back here. And they've shown up at like South by Southwest and Comic-Con and, they're about seven feet tall, and one's purple and one's green. They're not too bad, but they, they really like fudge. So if you give them fudge, they're happy. Otherwise, they, they'll do anything uh, just to get their hands on fudge. <laughs> anything to get their hands on fudge. Uh, and, uh, That's about the I mean, only what, thing what, they care about. Okay. And uh, your bio says to think of you as a simple garage band being chased around the universe by all sorts of nefarious characters. Who are these characters, and why are you being chased? What do they, what do they want from you? Well, so the, the band's a little bit like this kind of band on the run sort of thing where, uh, you know, the members of the band may or may not have uh, all kinds of, you know, there's just like a, a robot guy in the band, there's physics guys, all kinds of people that know a lot. And, you know, they're building kind of cool stuff. And there's always powers that be that, you know, like the man, they don't want you to know those things. So we're just kind of on the run. So okay. It doesn't all have to make perfect sense. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, now, I want to make like, sure that we uh, play some uh, of your music. We'll do that in just a second. 
But beforehand, I read that you guys uh, build robots and neural vision systems and have a working knowledge of plasma physics. Now, did you get that info at Caltech? Yeah, that's actually, <laughs> out of all the things you're asking, that's actually completely wow. true. Um, so uh, we, we, one of the one of the one of the lead songwriters uh, with myself actually did study plasma physics and uh, our kind of synth and you know kind of keyboard wizard. Uh, he uh, you know he actually does build robots uh, as a hobby and uh, so we really do have an interesting kind of group that uh, sort of links stuff together. But we're you know on one hand we're just kind of a simple garage band and. Uh, we were grateful to have a kind of world-class producer take us under his wing and, uh, you know, make make something decent out of all the noise that we were doing. And your producer is, is a human, right, not a robot? He's a real dude. Uh producer is, uh, um, <laughs> I believe, a, he actually still associates with us, but it's a, it's a gentleman named Mick, Mick, Mick Lossop, who's based in London. Uh, he's an actual human in London, and he... Uh, is famous for producing uh, Frank Zappa albums, uh, PIL with uh, you know Johnny Rotten. He did uh, a bunch of Van Morrison albums, all kinds of cool stuff. And then uh, somehow he did us. Wow. Well, you looked into that one. I guess I guess you recognized your your talent. And uh, I want to play the folks uh, the title track off your soon to be uh, full album. I believe you released this as an EP, and now soon it'll be a full album. Uh, People of the World. What, what, what should we know about this song before I play it? Yeah, that that was really written. We were hoping it would get on Glee or something, because it has that like giant high school chorus kind of vibe to it. And it's sort of a very happy song, but it's, it's a little bit deceptive when you listen to the lyrics. It's got a little bit of bite. But uh, we kind of wrote that as a sort of big arena, you know, get it on Glee kind of thing. But it, but it has this... Um, kind of cool little vibe and it should it should give you a feeling of being in the early 70s and some kind of musical like jesus christ superstar or something okay cool well here they are sparky dog and friends with people of the world and we'll be right back with sparky dog Yeah. 
Yeah. People of the world, follow them on Twitter at Sparky Dog Band and check out their website at sparkydog.com. Sparky Dog, I believe we have a caller. Let's check in on 407. What's your name? Where are you checking in from? Ellie. Ellie? Yeah. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for Sparky Dog? Well, yeah, we saw these guys at Comic-Con last year, and we're going to get to see them again. Sparky Dog, uh, you there? We'll, we'll, yeah, we're here. Uh, we will try to be at Comic-Con. Uh, look for us at all kinds of weird events. Uh, at, le- at least our shaggly friends, uh, possibly uh, Chicago, and then you know, we might, might, might land in San Diego at some point as well. We have pictures oh, of nice. you guys with, with the shaggles all over our wall. They were so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little intense. <laughs> I think we need to get we need to get shaggle therapy for people. <laughs> it's like they the were furry cool. wall they... from Get Him to the Greek, you know. Shaggles are kinda of uh-huh. like that. They scared the heck out of I my see. Best. All right, Ellie. Well, thank you so much for your, your call. Thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good night. All right. That was uh, Ellie, 407. Um, now, uh, Sparky Dog, I, I read that you have a, a semi-manager, the Cosmic Castaway, uh, books you questionable gigs <laughs> around town, and that's why you run into some problems. Why do you keep him on as your semi-manager if he keeps getting you into trouble? I mean, he's kind of, he's like got this vibe about him. You know, he he's like one of those, um, you know, this is a horrible analogy, but it's like the pig that finds truffles. Like, like he's not completely reliable. Mm. Every once in a while he'll dig up a truffle. It's like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, we'll be <laughs> hanging out with, uh, you know, Bono or something. But, like, he definitely has a knack for, for unearthing some things. But then he'll kind of, like, disappear and, uh, so he's, he's sort of like a quasi-reliable manager. But, uh, yeah, we probably should get our act together and boot him out, but we just like him too much. <laughs> uh, and this uh, song, People of the World, uh, from the forthcoming album of the same name, what else can your fans expect to hear from you guys on the upcoming album? Yeah, so the upcoming album, is uh, it's got some cool stuff we have. Um, uh, you know, on, on the EP, you've got Red Light, but we... We have a California Days, which is kind of a a weird ode to California, all kinds of things from a little bit of ska vibe and and some, like, 60s California feel. We have some weird psychedelic country songs, kind of like, a, you know, Birds meets the Flying Burrito Brothers kind of stuff. We um, <laughs> we got some weird or 80s kind of thing. We sort of travel across time, so we, <laughs> we just kind of do weird things, but it's... Uh, it, it's uh, it's an album that sort of cuts across uh, a lot of different fields, but it all has that Sparky Dog strangeness to it. So, um, prob- probably one of our most epic pieces, uh, you know, our kind of most Pink Floyd is Forty Four Souls, which is uh, kind of that dark and scary song. Um, but it's it, it's it takes on a whole journey. It's got all kinds of. It's like it's like going to Cats and watching it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have actually mastered the art of time travel. Oh yeah, we do it all the time. We're we're, we're really unreliable in terms of showing up on time for gigs, but we can travel through time. 
All right. Well, wow. I want to break our listeners off with wow. Red Light. You just mentioned what? Uh, what do we? What should we know about Red Light before I play it? Red Light is actually one of our best songs. Uh, because we're this cosmic band that flies through space, uh, people think we're just some kind of wacko, like you know, you know, cheesy monkey sort of band. But uh, uh, Red Light's probably one of our best songs, and um, uh, you know, we we got we get good reception for it. It is uh, it is us trying to write a real song, so it's it's kind of like our yesterday or something. Okay. Wow. All right. So here they are, Sparky Dog and friends with Red Light. We'll be right back with Sparky Dog and Tamika the Kid.
Dog and Friends with Red Light. Tamika, what do you got going on over there? I think the music sounds very whimsical and nice. That's what I liked about it. Cool. <laughs> uh, so when do you expect the uh, album to be completed and released? So the album is uh, all mixed, mastered, and right now we're just doing the layout of the final, uh, all the final art. So it should be cool. There's a lot of neat pieces of art from the comic and other things we're including in there. So, you know, we want to make the, the physical version something people want, and we'll probably do a limited edition vinyl, and then we'll have, you know, digital bits. So uh, we hope by around Thanksgiving we're done, we're done with all the design layout, get it into production in uh, early, early 2014, and we'll be out there. Early 2014, you say? You're right. Yep, yep, not just around the corner. <laughs> All right, great. Um, <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. You can check them out at the Flavian Amphitheater in Rome in 82 AD <laughs> and check out their website at sparkydog.com. Thanks for coming on the program, Sparky Dog. Hey, thanks so much, man. Absolutely. Have a great night. Peace out. All right, uh, Tamika Kid. Uh, so, wh- uh, how how you feeling? How you feeling? All right, how you feeling? That guy was cool though. I like that. Like I said, the music was very whimsical and uh, special in its own way. Only that Caltech can produce. <laughs> it's interesting uh, that they were. They're so. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? So well versed in time travel because last Wednesday, <laughs> Don Weeks and I talked about time travel for a good portion of the show. Oh wow! Okay. You know who really mastered time travel though was Cher. <laughs> I'm gonna turn back time. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she, and she did turn back time at least with her face and shit. <laughs> Don't even. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, all right. So we'll be back on uh, Wednesday night with the backstage show and back on Monday night with the show proper that you heard tonight with different guests, of course. Big thanks to Sean Taylor Corbett and to Sparky Dog. His real yeah. name, I have no idea. I think it's Roni or Ronnie something. Uh, so uh, thank you to Tamika Kid. I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. And lastly, if you have a Barbie doll, what are you going to do to that thing? Dude, that bitch is getting bent backwards. Backwards, the fucking feet chopped off, hair chopped off, left in her underwear, and then burnt up, and then for your very sane mother to find and question your sanity. That's what's going (laughs) to happen to Barbie. (laughs) Oh, boy, don't you hate when that happens? All right, well, good night, Tamika. Good night, night, everybody. Bye.